In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash. And I'm Mike Bobbitt. And this is Ideal Remake. Ironically, doing a movie about technology, we're experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties on this episode of Ideal Remake. <laughs> Sam and I are here with our very good friend, Diane Bloom. Hey, Diane, how are you? Hey, guys. Glad to have you, Diane. I'm super happy to be here. Glad you've been nice and patient for the past 45 minutes. I've been doing the crossword. Oh, okay. Diane, you have come up in multiple episodes of the podcast before you definitely came up in the last one because you hosted a very cool movie viewing club that was basically the three of us and satellite members every now and then and you introduced both of us to some really amazing movies you are a person who knows movies a lot and i'm so glad to have you on the show thanks for doing this oh i'm super excited i had a ton of fun when you guys were coming over to see some films they were a lot of fun yeah tell the audience what do you do i don't even know what you do to tell you the truth i know that you have some sort of film related job that's seemed top secret but i don't know what you do exactly well i'm a writer producer i'm an independent writer producer i used to be director of development for a guy named michael phillips who's won an academy award i worked on transformers for another producer and worked on a couple TV shows. And then I decided to go out on my own. So I'm a writer-producer, an independent writer-producer, hopefully trying to sell some shows. Yay! Yay! That's where I'm at. So pretty much I'm on the level of everyone else. <laughs> so what made you want to talk about Hackers? Well, it's one of those films that always kind of stick, stuck with me since I saw it. You know, it's a, it's a fun film. It kind of, you know, hacked the planet. It's got some good taglines, and it's got a early Angelina Jolie, Johnny Lee Miller, and it's just always been kind of an exciting, fun film that kind of just, I always think about. It's really, really strange, but I'm just like, Hackers, that's a cool film. I think you and I are in the same ballpark age-wise. When did you first see Hackers? I didn't see it in the theaters, because that was, like, way too, but I think I pretty much probably saw it, like, early HBO or something like that. Okay. Like, definitely on TV. What about you, Sam? I saw this movie for the first time... Three days ago? Okay. I thought I had seen it before, but I don't know that I have. I may have seen it for the first time yesterday. Oh, really? Well, what I found particularly interesting about this movie is that in, like, tone and the characters in it, it felt very much like Repo Man. Yeah? Because... Like, the kids in it were kind of like these grunge punk kids. There was just a lot more of a through line plot-wise. Okay. You disagree. (laughs) I love Matthew Lillard. I think he's amazing. SLC Punk is one of my favorite movies. This seemed like Matthew Lillard got to wear his own wardrobe. But, I don't know. For me, there was a weird disconnect between the soundtrack, the wardrobe, and the set design. Where there is a lot of grunge and Seattle music posters. Matthew Lillard was dressed super punk rock and the music was all techno. Matthew Lillard played uh cereal? Yeah. Yeah, cereal. He really freaked me out. <laughs> well, I don't think it was his, I don't think it was its own hair. I think you know, I think he had, you know, like a wig or something. His hair was weird. Can we talk about that character for a second? Because the character of Cereal was definitely homeless, right? Oh yeah, I think that was definitely oh, yeah. a through line to that that he was homeless. But I do think it was his real hair. Okay. It was just strange. His hair always bugged me. The clothes didn't. I mean, I always thought these are the coolest hackers on the planet. You know, I was like, wow, they dress so cool as opposed to me who likes computers, but I look like a dork all the time. So I was just really excited about their clothes. Yeah. I mean, they're still dorks, but they're cool dorks. It's definitely a product of its time that they're hacking with dial-up modems and they're hacking payphones to get free. Right. And they're using, uh, 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 like, audio tape recorders to record dial tones. Right. Which was a thing. Yeah. Well, I always found it interesting to compare, like, hackers to war games. 
because you know, I mean they're both about basically hackers and that use use the same sort of technology within that. But you know the hacker guys are so much cooler than Matthew Broderick in War Games. Less he dinosaurs tiny... in this movie though, huh? Less dinosaurs in this movie. Less though. dinosaurs in this movie. And you know Matthew Broderick obviously wears tidy whities and no one on hackers wears tidy whities. Yeah, Matthew Lillard does not wear underwear at all. No. I wonder how War Games holds up. I saw War Games for the first time at le- within the past two or three years. And how was it? And I remember it being fun. I remember enjoying okay. it. War Games is such a key moment in Ready Player One, the book, and I wonder if it's yeah. going to have that sequence in the movie. There is no chance. They not- are just going to bastardize that film. I mean, it, it already looks horrible on, on the previews. And this is from someone who absolutely adored the book. Absolutely adored It's it. my favorite book. I only watched the movie War Games because of Ready Player One. You know, I think Ready Player One is going to be interesting for you guys to look at for the casting because that's one of the things you look at. It looks like they've already miscast Artemis on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree I mean, with she's that she's not 100%. African-American. Yeah. I also saw uh, Late Lady Hawk or whatever it is for the first time because of Ready Player One. Here's a little bit of trivia. I don't have my iPad with me this episode, so all of the trivia I give this time is going to have to come from the cuff. But Lady Hawk is not a prequel to Lady Bird. Boo. <laughs> so let's talk about hackers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Diane, this is definitely one of your favorite movies. Do you want to take us through the plot? So Hacker starts off with Dade Murphy, age 11, who has destroyed 5,017 computers, something like that. Many, many computers. And he gets banned from using a computer or a touch-tone telephone <laughs> for the next uh, seven years or until he turns 18. So it then picks up seven years later, uh, flying on the way to New York City, because that's the best metropolis in the world. And they use New York as a sort of symbolism to like go through the giant technological jungle as well. Really. I love that symbolism. Yeah. Like, when they're flying over New York and New York turns into a giant microchip, I love that. I was like... Ooh, that's what this movie is going to be about. It's going to be about how reality is really a computer, and it was not that at all. That opening sequence was really cool, though. The skyline dissolving into the computer stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think that, at the time, it was one of the first movies to do that. I mean, Ian Softley was coming off of Backbeat, which was sort of the Beatles' evolution into, into Hamburg, and to come and bring that sort of like sort of beat technology into hackers was really cool. So anyway, so Dade arrives back in New York City, and he, so he goes to school, he gets, you know, his first day of school, and he rollerblades his way there. At which and, point I wrote down, what did he do to his hair? <laughs> yeah, because Johnny Lee Miller is, has got dark hair, but they bleached the living heck out of it. Uh, that said, when uh, he got sentenced as a kid, and the family got like fined $50,000 or whatever it was, because of his actions, NASDAQ dropped like seven points. If NASDAQ dropped seven points, A, that's way more than $50,000. And B, if uh, the big short has taught me anything, if that means that people would have died. <laughs> it's a global financial crisis that was triggered by an 11-year-old. I want to watch that movie. That sort of got glossed over, I think. It did, because we have to set up that he has a record, he has a felony background, he's this legend in hacking, but he wants to keep it on the DL. And his name is Zero Cool. Let's just talk about like hacker names. Hacker names were like really big deal in this thing. Speaking of hacker names, they keep referring to each other as elite, 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 elite. And I didn't think they were saying elite. I thought they were just saying leet because it was 1995. Did 1995 predate leet speak? Yes, I think it did. But there's definitely some leet speak 
in the trash talking that goes on between Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller, backing up to Johnny Lee Miller's hair for a second, do you think they bleached it because the kid actor was just so good that they wanted Johnny Lee Miller to match the kid who's in 30 seconds of the movie? If I'm going to be inspired by a child actor, it is that child actor. Well, I mean, they bleached it and then he bleached it even more for train spotting, which came next. So, you know, maybe he was just into like, let's destroy my follicles. Yeah. Wait, Johnny Lee, Lee Miller's in train spotting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Sick Boy in Train Spotting. That was the next movie he did after this. How did I not put that? Is Johnny Lee Miller not American? No, he's like British. Oh, wow. I did not know that. So that's why his voice sounded like that. I didn't pick up on his accent at all. I thought it was pretty good. His Johnny Lee Miller does an amazing Scottish accent as well. So when he did Train Spotting, he did his accent the entire movie. So when they went to go do publicity for Train Spotting, no one on the cast had any clue that he wasn't Scottish. They were like, why does your voice sound so weird now? It was because he was British, not Scottish. That's great. Uh, I have a lot more respect for this guy now. Johnny Lee Miller's so method after Hackers, he married Angelina Jolie. He absolutely did. And she was like 20 at the time. And how old was he? Uh, a couple years older, so maybe 23. That's not that bad. No, not at I all. I mean... Johnny Lee Miller's a guy who always looks like like he's 35. Yeah. 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 He's on, uh, what, elementary now and he still looks 35. Oh, yeah. He's, he's got way more tattoos, though. Like, if you look at old videos of Tom Waits, Tom Waits is a guy who's always looked 50, even when he was 25. So Dade moves to New York. So Dade moves to New York and he and his mom are in this very sort of small New York apartment, which let's give it credit where credit is due. It actually looks like a small New York apartment, not like some sort of giant thing that no one can afford. And he's an asshole to his mom. He's kind of a jerk. And I don't know why. Well, because he's edgy and testy because he's a teenager. Ah. Yeah, he's a teenager whose mom has weird boundary issues. The whole, and mom, I'm still a virgin. Well, the shower sequence is weird. Well, let's just like go back to like, these are like the coolest hackers on the planet because they're not virgins. They've actually had sex and they look like they're cool and they dress really amazingly and they all rollerblade and they're all fit as anything. Well, they go hang out at all these hacker cyberpunk clubs. Which are amazing. Playing games that were made up for the movie. No, they were playing Wipeout for the original PlayStation in that weird arcade. Wait, that was a real game they were playing that uh, Dade beat Angelina Jolie at? Yeah, that's Wipeout, the original Wipeout. We will take your word for it. I had no idea. I had no idea either. I didn't have a PlayStation. I was always always an Xbox, Sega person. And I was a Nintendo kid. Surprising no one. (laughs) No. So anyway, so he's in New York with his mom and he's going to his first new day at school and he gets there and the first person he meets is Angelina Jolie, which is Kate. And Kate says to him, give me your schedule. And she goes over his schedule and he's just looking at her like, you are the most amazing person I have ever seen in my life. You are the most gorgeous woman ever. And then she sort of beckons him to follow her, throws him in his classroom, tells him about a pool on the roof. And because it's a New York high school, he obviously believes there's a pool on the roof. And off he goes to see the pool and gets trapped out there with actually nerdy freshmen. The getting trapped on the roof. I've seen that and other things before that like that's a thing was this the origin of that thing it's a real prank right but is this in in like hollywood tv movies is this the origin of that as a thing i don't know i've never seen it before or since it's in uh it's in the hangover it's in scrubs oh i would say the writers of scrubs would definitely have seen hackers i would imagine so and hangover definitely falls after this and i imagine craig mason saw this movie as well yeah well let's go with like it's a it's a follow-through joke maybe you're just a reference to or just a yeah that's a thing that happens Let's lock everyone off on the roof and then yeah. make it rain. So anyway, he gets a little wet and gets a little angry and then takes Kate up on a challenge because he wants to be with her. So he hacks himself into the school database and changes his classes to go with Kate's classes. Well, backing up a moment, the reason he was not masturbating all night long, he was hacking into a television station that we find out later Kate was also hacking into 
and they had a little uh, sparring match. I apologize. I missed a whole big thing because that's when you find out that he's not zero cool anymore. He's now crash override. And she's a radiation burn? Acid burn. Acid burn. And she kicks his butt. Yeah, she kicks his butt. And it's actually a really kind of cool sequence, except for the fact that it's all like VHS tapes going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Right. And it's, uh, (laughs) and he says the immortal line, or he types the immortal line. Mess with the best, die like the rest. Yeah. Those three quarter inch tapes had little red record tabs. If you wanted to make sure no one recorded over something, you just pulled out the little red button. And the television station I worked at was bought out by another company. So the other person that worked at the station and I took out all the red tabs from every single three quarter inch tape and threw them away so that when the next company came in to take over, they would not be able to reuse any of the three quarter inch tapes easily. Dang. That's awesome. So when they're hacking, they're typing very, very quickly. But when they're actually typing words, they take a break from hacking and type really slow. Oh, the typing was incredibly slow. Like to the point that it was painful. But that's also when we see sort of the first inclination of what Softly is going to do in terms of sort of the uh, stylistic look of the film when they're hacking, which I think, honestly, a bunch of other films copy. Everyone is like, there's no real dynamic way to show people typing on a computer screen and hacking into systems. And I don't think anyone has figured out a decent way to show that. So it's... I mean, Tron did okay. Yeah, but Tron took you into an entirely different world. All right, fine. Reboot did okay. Nope, same thing as Tron. Yep. I like the way at least typing is shown on the Sherlock TV series. I think that's pretty clever. Typing on a computer screen not only is a hard thing to show on screen, but it's kind of a hard thing to write in a script, too. It's sort of like playing the piano or something. You've got to be hitting the right keys, and if you're not, it's like it's kind of stupid. So then Freak sees him, and Freak is one of the hackers in the little club that goes with acid burn and stuff well, like that. The originally, uh, Dave goes up to Freak because he's sitting and using the phone, and Dave picks this kid who's on the phone clearly busy as opposed to any of the people currently walking around him to bother. What's interesting, though, is Freak goes, I'm calling Nicaragua or something. Yeah. And it's like, so he's obviously doing something interesting with the phone. Right. For not having to pay for that call. Which I didn't process because I was just like, oh, hey, it's that guy from Con Air. (laughs) Which I also saw for the first time a couple weeks ago. I haven't seen Con Air in ages. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Right up until the end. So he sees Freak and then he goes and ends up in his classroom To get back at Angelina Jolie for sending him to the roof where he gets rained on, he hacks the school's sprinkler system. Right, but that's in the evening. That's after he goes home again at night. Because the first thing he hacks at the school is to change his schedule. schedule. Is to change his schedule. You're right. Which is how Freak notices him and goes, ooh, he's now elite. Yeah. So then Freak hands him outside. He hands him his wonderful little pass to go to the most awesome hacker club in existence with rollerblading ramps and everything. Right. That's when he gets a little... They rollerblade everywhere There in this is movie. more rollerblading in this movie than in movies called Rollerblade. What was the business model for that club anyway? It was huge! They had an elevated rollerblading track and multi-levels, but they only had Wipeout. I like to think that that was just an abandoned factory that the kids reclaimed and then kind of built up to be their own. It looked like a, yeah, or a brownstone, or sort of like a brownstone in Harlem or something that hadn't been gentrified yet. It just kind of, it's like a, like the empty lot from Hey Arnold. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the reference I'm comfortable with. That's a good reference. And there also, when uh, Freak Handsome's little thing is when we first meet Joey. Uh, yes. And Joey's the catalyst for all the nonsense that happens next. Joey's kind of the flounder of the movies. Like, ah, Joey, what are you doing? You can't do things. You've, you're not elite. You've never done a thing. You don't even get a fancy cool hacker name. Yep. And that's one of the things he really wants is a total handle. And apparently he just isn't worthy of one. And all the things he comes up with are really bad. They're so bad. They're small child bad. Uh, when I was looking at the IMDb page for uh, Hackers, I was like looking up all the different actors, and I saw the picture of the actor who played Joey. Jesse Bradford. 
and I kept moving because I was like, that is not who that is. But that guy, I mean, damn. Yeah, puberty did Jesse Bradford very well. Grew a couple inches, grew some muscles, you know, definitely. So the club they go to, I think it's called Cyberdelia. And I know that because I wrote down Cyberdelia. Cyberdelia. Just like that. Just frustrated and upset. Yeah. And then I wrote, he's on rollerblades. They're all on rollerblades. They're all on rollerblades. It's like everyone, it's like apparently like a prerequisite for being an elite hacker is the ability to rollerblade a lot. So they go to this club. Dade has this moment with Angelina Jolie. He, she beat him at hacking, but they didn't know that yet. He beat her at this game. Ah, oh, they're having this back and forth. Aren't they cute? Oh, no, wait, she's totally with this other dude. Yeah, and let's also go into like, this is the beginning of like the total sexism that Dade sort of goes to Angelina Jolie's Kate. He's like, oh, not bad for a girl. How can a girl be a hacker? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a very sort of, it, that's the only part of the movie that always kind of takes me out of it because I'm like, why wouldn't Kate be a hacker? Right. She's cooler than all of you people. Like, co- like all of you put together and you're still not cooler than her. Right. And I just think that's that's just also part of casting Angelina Jolie because she hadn't done really anything at that point. And she has a wonderful relationship with her mom. She has an awesome relationship with her mom. Because like, there's like, they're talking about, they're in their philosophy class or something and they like put quotes of people they admire and she put a quote from her mom and I was like, you know what? That gets me. Her mom writes all these like self-help books yeah. for women that just completely just destroy men. Is Yeah, great, good. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. And her apartment was obviously like, hello, mom has a ton of money. Right. Which gets related to, you know, I'll back up a little bit because then we've got the party at Kate's house, but that happens after. After. Is this after Joey hacks into whatever the company name is? It's after that, but it's also after Dave gets uh, revenge on the entire school by going home, hacking into the school sprinkler system, and setting off the sprinklers at 9.30 in the morning. And that's when he pops up with his umbrella and is the coolest person in existence. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And yeah. Freak is standing there all impressed. He's like, ah, that was great. And Angela Dooley somehow is the wettest person in existence. She is just covered in water and what looks like, you know... Water. Water. Just tons of water. She's very wet. All right. Uh, <laughs> ignoring that, moving on. Sorry. Um it's fine. Uh, so then we go and we see Joey hacks into this other company, and the the uh, the servers for the company are monitored by Pendulette. Yes, whose name is Hal. Because it's a computer reference. Because it's a computer reference. And I'm just sitting there watching it, and I'm like, I don't remember what happened during five minutes of the movie, because I was like, that's Pen. Pen's in this movie. I swear to God, the next thing that happens is because he calls this guy, he's like, something's happening, we're being hacked. And then I wrote, ha 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 ha. Who is this goober on a skateboard? That would be Fisher Stevens, who time has not been kind to. What What else has happened to Fisher Stevens? Actually, I think he became a producer. I think he's been more and more, he moved into producing more than anything else. But he still works. He still works, not as much acting, but he is now the plague. He is the, Serial's character bothered me and it made me uncomfortable. I could not take this guy seriously. Every time he was on screen, I was like, no. No. Yeah. I Yeah. I think for, in terms of like the evil mass mind, uh, mastermind villain, this was not the best characterization of one. Talk about Hank Azaria being a, a horrible stereotype as a poo on The Simpsons. Fisher Stevens is Benjamin Javitt in Short Circuit. I mean, that's just... Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. In defense of that time, it was a different time, guys. It was, but I think even like even when I saw it, I was just I never responded very well to Eugene, the mastermind villain. I think Mercedes Rule is violently miscast on that just because her Brooklyn her New York accent is so, so, so there. It kinda draws me out as well. And then uh Eugene and, and Mercedes talk about their evil plan in a public mall on the escalator, surrounded by people and they're talking Wait, about their evil plan. It's not plan. Mercedes Rule, it's Lorraine Brown. Brocco. Sorry, Lorraine Bracco. Okay, Lorraine Bracco. My apologies. Eugene and Lorraine are talking about their evil thing. Still a bad New York accent. In public. It's ridiculous. 
And that entire scene is 80 yard because I imagine you couldn't hear a word they were saying because they were surrounded by crowds of people. Lorraine Bracco is gorgeous. Why would she be with Eugene? That's, that's... She's attracted to power. She's attracted to power? She's attracted to money? Well, based on his apartment. Yeah. Anyway. I have a real... Just to break down things to its most fundamental level, let me get the plot of this movie straight. Okay. So, Fisher Stevens, The Plague, and Lorraine Bracco, Margot, who was the person prosecuting Johnny Lee Miller at the beginning, right? Was she? No, she wasn't. That was... That uh, was that was another famous actress. That was like an actress from Desperate Housewives. No, I thought that was uh, T.O. Oh, Leone. that was Felicity Huffman. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah Huffman. that was Felicity Huffman. Yeah, that was Felicity Huffman. Okay, so Fisher Stevens is a hacker trying to hack, and then instead of getting away with it, he just wants to blame it on high school hackers? Well, no, what happens is, is because Joey hacks into the place and sets off alarms he then has to blame hackers on on the worm because something has been discovered because some alerts have been alerted so that's when he decides to do it because joey decides like oh i have to have something to prove that i was actually in this big fancy computer and he grabs the file that he thinks is the the least important the garbage file right which is definitely what that's called but the garbage file actually contains the worm program which is stealing all the money right so in order to hide the Worden program, he then creates the Da Vinci virus. Eugene creates the Da Vinci yes. virus. Eugene creates the Da Vinci virus, which is going to then capsize oil tankers all over the world. Which he's blaming on just, quote unquote, kid hackers just messing around trying to get money right. as a smokescreen for the fact that he is a hacker trying to get money. Yes. And stealing like $20 million from the company. It's interesting because this movie makes the point of like, these kid hackers aren't actually the bad guys that the media makes them out to be. Except that Eugene is the bad hacker that the media makes him out to be. It's like, the media is right, they're just going after the wrong ones. Yes. So that message, on the face of it, kind of gets the the, the barbs taken out of it, because there is still a hacker who's using his powers for evil. Because the whole point about a lot of this is that that's often not the case. And in reality, it often is the case, but still. Yeah. Hashtag meddling with elections. But then Eugene has also, like, subverted his whole hacker identity because he's now working for the corporate... This corporate monstrosity, otherwise known as the man. Well, he is what the 90s hated most of all, a sellout. Yeah. What I like is they've sort of invented this giant computer called the Gibson, which is this massive thing that you cannot hack. Which, of course, you can. Which, of course, you can. But that, that's, the, that's, that's towards the end of the movie. Right. So anyway, back to, back to some of the plot. Well, I mean, that is basically the plot. It's yeah. just at this point, Joey's tracked down in a... What's the what's the name of the FBI guy? Richard Gill. And one of the things they do to kind of like so Angelina Jolie and Dade have a contest like, hey, who's the the leadest hacker? I'm saying lead, but they say the elitist hacker, which is wrong. And they're going back and forth like doing all these different like ridiculous things to poor Agent Dick Gill, and they trick City Hall to think he's dead. They haven't pulled over this, that, the other thing. Meanwhile, Joey gets arrested because the FBI tracks down that this is the kid, but. He stored the disc that he kept most of the garbage file in uh, the most well-lit air vent I've ever seen. And it turns out that it's not because it was a weird lit thing. It is inside a box inside an air vent, and it is lit up like that uh, Drake video that everyone made memes out of. Yes. You know, one of the things I like that's interesting is, you know, everyone, in order to be edgy, is smoking in the movie. And Joey's smoking, and he hides it. No, just Joey. Freak smokes, too. Does he? Yeah. Oh. I thought it was just Joey. Well, Joey smokes a lot. Joey smokes a lot, but I don't remember. I didn't remember anyone else smoking. Oh, okay. If yeah. he smokes, yeah, fine. But in our remake, just Joey. Okay, yeah, definitely just Joey. Because and everyone's just like, kid, no. Yeah, so Joey gets arrested, and also let's just go back to like boundaries, because Joey gets arrested in the sh- uh, you know out of the shower. That's right. And he's like obviously a kid. He's like a child, and they arrest him in a towel. It's great. 
So Joey's arrested. The nice little crew of our little hacker team still doesn't really have any clue what's going on yet. Yeah, they don't know they're in a movie yet. They think they're just having fun. Well, they don't think they're in that movie yet. Yeah. They think they're still just, hey, we're hackers doing a little goofy thing. Right. Meanwhile, the FBI is using Joey to try and find the disc that he copied, and they're trying to track down who his accomplices are, because he must have had help. And what's interesting is, obviously, the FBI is portrayed as this tool of the corporate entity, because they're not actually acting by themselves. They're acting under the guise of- It's not the FBI. It's It's the Secret Service. Oh, sorry. It's the Secret Service. Which makes less sense. It makes no sense. And then there's one guy from the Secret Service who's like, oh, yeah, we've got an uncorrupted hard drive and it's fantastic kind of thing. Joey gets arrested. And then the Da Vinci guy starts getting getting known at the the company. And then they harass Dick Gill. And then the plague, Eugene, comes over to Dade Murphy and says, you better get this disc or you're screwed. Yeah, you have a record. We will send you right back to jail. And Dade's like, oh no, now I'm scared. Because we, we think he just kind of blows the guy off, but it turns out when he does get a copy of the get, the disc given to him by Angelina Jolie, he makes a copy of it and then immediately gives a copy back to Eugene. Which I was like, bro, no. Yeah. And the handoff is done by Dade holding out the disc and Eugene flying by on a skateboard... Like a ridiculous, to quote Ready Player One, poseur. Holding onto a limo. He's holding onto the door of a limo, skating by when he gets the disc. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. (laughs) All right, here's my question for you, because I couldn't figure it out. Is this movie a comedy or a drama? I would put it in a drama. I would too, but I feel like it's a drama where you have to cast comedic actors. Well, it's so over the top in terms of the costumes, in terms of, you know, the world they create, in terms of them rollerblading everywhere, which should be interesting on what you guys decide to do. Yeah. Wheelie shoes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But anyway, after that happens, Joey then meets up with uh, Freak and says, oh my God, this is what happened. And then Freak's like, you're being followed, and which is when the entire group starts getting into trouble. So Freak gets, Freak runs off with the uh, disc and puts it in the boy's bathroom, which is weird because it's in the boy's bathroom at the school again. Well, it was the place where he hid that thing that one time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which leads to Angelina Jolie coolly walking into the bathroom, reaching behind the condom machine, getting the disc, and then getting a condom. That was a condom machine? Yeah. I thought it was just, I legitimately just thought it was like a pillar. No, she gets a condom. I don't remember that at all. At the end of that, she gets a condom and waves it to all the guys in the bathroom. Is that what she does? Yeah. I didn't pick up on that at all. Do you think it's possible that I saw, like, the TV edit? Maybe. Mike, you know what I'm talking about, right? To tell you the truth, I started tuning out of the movie right around this point, so I don't remember it either. Okay, well, you know, I don't know. As a woman, I was just like, that is an awesome thing she did. So anyway, Date gives the the disc over over to the plague. And then goes over to Kate's house where he finds out that the disc contains this worm that's stealing all this money. And they're like, oh my god, we're totally screwed. I mean, basically, to kind of wrap up, because we've been talking about the plot for a while, is that's when they find out the thing that we explained to Mike earlier about the worm and the this thing and the other. And they decide they have to take it down. And to to do it, they end up getting help from um, Razor and Blade, these two hackers that kind of like put out their own, I'm assuming, internet video or YouTube something. TV show. TV show. At the time, it was a TV show, like a a pirate TV show. And so, like, basically, here's the... Yeah, there was a thing back then where hackers in real life were breaking into TV networks. Like, that's where Max Headroom started from. So my thought was that these two guys were hacking into TV shows and became celebrities themselves within this world. Absolutely. I think you're right. Yeah. And they enlist the help of these two people who are, in fact, very good. And through them, they get an army of people all over the world. And together, they take down uh, Eugene, sort of, because then they get arrested. But it turns out that they put the disc of everything they acquired in a trash, which Serial fishes out and does his own hacking a television broadcast and releases all this information 
So the good guys are set free and the bad guys are arrested. Right. The plague is arrested trying to obviously escape to a non-extradition country. And finally, Richard Gill, or Dick Gill, actually sits there and puts cuffs on the actual bad guy. Yep. Angelina Jolie and Dade go find a swimming pool on the roof and have sex. Yeah. That's actually interesting that the last scene in the movie is a sex scene. It's a pool on the roof. Yep. It's, uh, it's how they met. They're fully clothed in the pool, but sure. They're working through the fully clothed part. Yeah, but they're also looking like they're drowning initially. I'm like, that scene must not have been that much fun to film. No. I thought that scene was kind of hot. Oh, no. Oh, no, it 100% Definitely was. hot. Definitely hot. But initially, it looked kind of uncomfortable. Part of the way that I think Diane remembered that this movie existed is because I was having a conversation with her, her roommate Austin, and I think a friend of Austin's, because we were talking about what movie people find Angelina Jolie the most attractive in. And I think for you, it was Hackers. Yeah. I think it's still before she gets, like, really skeletal. Yeah. You know, I think there's... Yeah, I... This is her second movie, and she came out of the gate as a really competent actor. She's really good. She owns the screen every scene that she's in, and she's definitely a very, very talented person. Absolutely. I think the casting on her was point on. I mean, I think Kate was a very powerful woman, and I don't necessarily know if there was an actress at the time who could have handled it better than Angelina. Which is why it was difficult to for our remake to try and come up with someone, because Angelina Jolie is such like an entity that it, the level of confidence in that woman is almost unsurpassable. Yeah. If, if nothing, it is unsurpassable, because she at least exudes confidence like nothing else. The Kate character is who I think the image of Angelina Jolie is, where it's just this, you don't mess with her super hyper confident and hyper confident person yeah yeah i think that makes casting like for a remake really fun and really interesting it'll be interesting yeah i i bet for that character all three of us have some like, wildly different people i bet we do too let's break into our remake first of all when should it be set i think are we gonna set it in the present i think it needs to be set in the present and here's my pitch part of what makes hackers i think a couple of the movies we've been doing recently princess bride animal house are movies that should not necessarily be remade I think Hackers is a movie that should be remade. Part of it is because I think it should be remade now. Yeah, I think definitely with the current events of the election being tampered with and hacking being such a real-life concern, I really don't believe that World War Three is going to happen because of countries fighting with each other. I think it's going to happen because a bunch of angry teenagers who know how to use their computers hack into a system and start launching missiles. I think hacking is a real-life concern these days. I agree. Which is kind of terrifying because you've pushed the wrong button, all of a sudden an entire state thinks there's a ballistic missile coming at them. Right, which is crazy. So I don't know when this episode's going up, but that's a thing that happened yesterday. Yeah, if it's not a story anymore in people's minds, Hawaii was given an emergency message saying that a ballistic missile was headed their way. And then shortly afterwards, got a second message saying, oops. Yeah, but it wasn't until like, what, 40 minutes later, they got the oopsie message. I was talking yeah. to some people yesterday and, she's, and she said that uh, she had friends who literally looked out their window in Hawaii and there were families not walking, but running down the street because they had no idea. They thought they thought they were all going to die and they were like desperately looking for something like that's terrifying. So yeah. I think for this movie, our stakes need to be, I think they need to be bigger. They need to be much, much bigger. And it's rare for me to say something like that. I think that the big villain in this movie, I don't think it, I think it needs to be something like the FCC. Like my pitch for the plot of this movie is because these big corporations are taking control of everything, they're slowly shutting down the internet and locking it down by turning off net neutrality which is the opposite of what hackers want. 
I think that they're going to need to hack every company and every server. And I think this movie has to end by these kids taking down the internet completely. And then it begins by them building it back up as like this free and open thing. Like, I don't think the bad guy needs to be some Eugene, some this big rival hacker. I think it needs to be like the head of this Fortune 500 company. And instead of him having one Eugene, he has a room full of sweat condition labor style hackers like slowly working to take control of the internet things that they want. And it's just these independent kids who aren't slaves to a to a company who have to take down and beat this room full of company stooges. Well, I think what's scarier is that it could just be one person. It could just be a Fisher Stevens person. I think making it something like that kind of takes the stakes away from it. But knowing that one person is smart enough to fuck up everything is terrifying. That is terrifying. That is scary. I think if you divorce... But I don't think he should be a funny guy or doing it for Lorraine Bracco or anything like that. I think he should just do it because he was a guy who was bullied and he doesn't give a shit anymore. He's going to take down the whole fucking thing. I, I can get behind that. I like that. I can get behind that. Easy. All right, then let's start there. This is kind of reverse engineering because I really think David Fincher should direct this because I think visually David Fincher owes a lot to what they tried to do with hackers. And I, I think he improved upon it with technology making it easier to do so. But visually, I think David Fincher could do a great job of capturing kind of the signature look of hackers and updating it for today's standards. Do you think that he's still connected in a way to the young people that would need to be our main cast for this movie? I don't want him to write it. I just want him to direct it and be in charge of how it looks stylized. Okay, I think that's fair. Well, um, I think, you know, in terms of soundtrack, which I think is inherent to this movie, if you look at David Fincher, he gets Trent Reznor to do it, you know, Nine Inch Nails guy. He becomes a very different soundtrack to this oh, movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, think, that's interesting. Yeah. Th that's a great idea. Yeah, Fight Club is what made me think David Fincher should direct this. I've I went directly to Seven, actually. Yeah. In terms of David Fincher. You know, talking about one guy who can take down the internet, it's almost like a sense of menace. You take away the fun from the movie and it becomes a very menacing kind of film. So if he's directing and he brings that particular tone for directing, we also need someone who can kind of start and bringing the fun in terms of writing. I don't know. One of the writers I was thinking of was Jonathan Nolan. Uh, Christopher Nolan's brother? Yeah. Mostly because he did a show on television called Person of Interest, which eventually dealt with sort of these uh, malevolent AIs sort of taking over the world. And I think he's got a really good handle on technology. He's also doing Westworld right now. I like that idea. I, I went television as well, even though Jonathan Nolan is more than just television. I was thinking Charlie Brooker, creator of Black Mirror. Oh, that's actually probably the best. Yeah. But he's already I, doing it in a Black yeah, Mirror. Yeah, he's already doing Black Mirror. I lean more towards Jonathan Nolan because I feel like everything that Black Mirror guy would have had to say about this particular topic, he would have said in an episode of Black Mirror. That's true. Whereas Nolan, like you put him down this path and it might be one of those things where he's thought about, but you put him down this path and all of a sudden he's like delving into it and seeing all these different creative things. I would lean more towards Nolan. I like that idea. Yeah, especially because you've seen with Jonathan Nolan with something like Westworld and Batman that he's able to take things that have already existed and put his own unique spin on them as well. So yeah, I, I like the idea of Jonathan Nolan a lot. My cast choices might be a little bit too light for this movie, but keep in mind, it's still a dark world, but people are still have their gallows humor. But I think the charm of Hackers is, is that it is just normal, fun, high school kids becoming heroes, ultimately. So I, I think having a light cast is a good idea. Getting back to the original thing that got us to director, the plague that I went with, based on David Fincher directing, I looked at his filmography and thought, who would be good as 
a really scary hacker that had the world dumped on him. And based on his role in the social network, I was thinking Jesse Eisenberg could be really scary as the plague. I went a little bit different. I went a little bit on the nose. And for the plague, I cast Martin Starr. I was thinking Martin Starr as well, too. I feel like that's kind of, I mean, that's certainly the stereotypical, that's like the most on the nose casting I could think of. Who did you have, Diane? I actually had Martin Starr. You did? Yeah. All right, well, I kind of feel like we got to go with that now. We can go with that. Which is weird. I'm curious to see if he could do something heavier. I I like him as a comedic actor. I'd be interested to see what he could do playing something a little bit more serious. I I mean, you guys are both comedians, but I think a lot of comedians have some sort of dark place they can go to every once in a while. I think so, too. But I also think that the plague wouldn't necessarily see himself as a villain. He sees himself as the hero. And so he wouldn't necessarily think of himself as going to the dark place. Like, hey, we're just having fun. We're just saving the world. Meanwhile, he's taking the world down. Right. Because that's like his warped perception of everything. Sticking with the antagonist, do we want a Margot type or are we just scrapping that character completely? I didn't like her at all. I didn't like her at I all. Mean, I mean, I just like, I just want her gone. She I didn't, didn't really see a point. If you've got a guy who's by himself looking at this, you don't need the corporate entity then. So that whole thing gets erased. Right. Plus, she really only served to deliver exposition anyway. Right. Really, yeah. The only person that he potentially needs is his like weird buddy, Hal. And for the role of Hal, I would again cast Penn Jillette. I don't necessarily see anyone else in the role of Hal. Right. I mean, they cast Penn Jillette because he was into computers yeah. and he liked all that world. So. And I kind of think it's funny. But yeah. one of the crazy things about this movie is that, especially for this movie that came out in 1995, this movie is remarkably diverse. Yes. So one of the things I tried to stick to is for most of the characters of color, I tried to cast someone who is of a similar demographic simply because, especially for these movies that came out in the 80s and 90s, if you actually have a person who you feel represents you or a person from an an underrepresented community, all of a sudden having a character on screen, I don't want to take that away from anybody. That's why I had such a hard time finding someone to play Freak. I couldn't do it because I was trying to find someone as good as uh, Renoli Santiago. I couldn't come up with anyone. Yeah. I came up with a freak based on someone you suggested in a previous episode of the podcast that really reminded me how great of an actor he is and how excited I am to see him in more roles because I think this kid is going to develop into a phenomenal character actor and that's Jacob Batalon from Spider-Man. Ooh. Yeah, he'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, great. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. That's fun because I cast someone else from Spider-Man as well. Of course you did. I have another Spider-Man uh, one in there as well. Let's so let's go with Jacob Batalon for Freak. The one racial flip that I did is for the character of uh, Nikon. Well, no, I did two. I had Nikon and Dade. So Nikon, I cast Tony Revolori. Who's that? Tony Revolori is in Spider-Man as Flash Thompson. Oh, okay. Oh, good one. He's also in the Grand Budapest Hotel, and he's great, and I think he'd be a really interesting and cool Nikon. Yeah, I mean, Nikon is very much of a manic character. You know, I think he's very interesting in that you think he's, like, one thing, but he's another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very, like, dorky. You can imagine playing D&D with all his friends. Oh, yeah. Nikon was one of my favorites, because he walks out, he's in the cloak and everything, and then finally everyone walks in, and he just, like, has a great time and, like, does a guitar solo with cereal. I was like, ah, Nikon's yeah. the best. Yeah. I, I had kind of a weird feeling that Nikon was a little bit older than the high school kids. Maybe it was because of the actor. Because of that, I want Donald Glover. Donald Glover's fun, but I, I actually do think Donald Glover's a little bit too old. Okay. I initially had thought Donald Glover would be an interesting bad guy. Oh. One of my choices on there for the plague was, was Donald Glover when I initially was thinking stuff. I think that's interesting. I think that actually is a... I love that idea more than Martin Starr. I do too. Let's do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's that is better. Let's do Donald Glover as the plague. That's much more interesting. Yeah, that that's who I yeah. initially had, had on there. What I really love about the show Atlanta is that it's showing Donald Glover's depth as an actor too. I would love to see him as a straight up bad guy. And he's in Spider-Man as well. Yeah. So, so far, <laughs> we have three Spider-Man actors in a row. I'm going to throw in a fourth for my next choice. Well, I think Spider-Man <laughs> was an interesting choice, was an interesting movie because it was so diverse. Yeah. And they really, really made it diverse. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things Hackers has in common with that. It's young kids in a movie and they actually- In an it. urban environment. Yeah. And they actually made it urban. I mean, in Spider-Man, it's Queens, but- yeah. Okay, so for my Spider-Man choice is actually based more on because I saw The Greatest Showman and I'm in awe over people who can do trapeze stuff, and that's Zendaya for Kate. Um, I bet she could do it, and I bet she'd be really good. My casting for Kate was uh, Amelia Clark. You just love her. I do, but she's also like Daenerys. Amelia Clark's older than Donald Glover, though. Daenerys is that old? Yeah. Is she? I was, she's, she's like at least mid-20s. Yeah, I believe that. But the, the reason why I... She's 31. Looking for someone with that level of confidence. Like I was going for the confidence thing. Well, actually, who I had was Alicia Denham Carey. I need to look up who that is. Who is... Who was from The 100 and also on Fear the Walking Dead. And the reason I picked her was because the character she's portrayed and how she portrays it, she's got a lot of confidence and a lot of power. And she actually projects off the screen really nicely. And that, that, I mean, that was kind of the thing I was thinking, how do you like match Angelina Jolie's power on that? Because I think it's a very powerful role, Kate. I think she just projects an air of confidence that comes out on screen. I mean, I don't know if either one of you guys have heard of her. I haven't, but I believe you. I haven't either. She's Australian. I think Australians are just phenomenal. I mean, she can do an American accent easy. Yeah. Oh yeah. How old is she? She would fit. I mean, she's, she's she's 24. 24. Okay. Let's put a pen in that. Alicia Debenham Carey is a good choice. But let's go to our selections for Dade, because I think we need to pick someone who would be a good match for the person we end up picking as Dade anyway. Yeah. Speaking of interestingly diverse high school kids, uh, the person I picked to play Dade is uh, Renzi Feliz. He is the one of the main kids in the new Hulu show, Runaways. Yes. In Runaways, he plays the character of Alex Wilder with uh, <laughs> kind of the hair and everything. And he's just kind of this great kid who's really good like he's kind of like the linchpin center of the team and he kind of plays the nerdy kid because he's the only one without like a unique gift or special power or something yeah but he's also got an air of confidence yeah i think you really need on that he has an air of i think he looks super young if we're gonna cast him we're gonna have to cast a young kate that's true that's true well who did you guys this kid looks like he's 12 and i know he's not but that's a bad picture like his imdb picture is terrible like i think that is a picture of him from when he's 12 yeah no i'm looking at other pictures of him but i mean he does look young on the runaways he really does look young he looks like he's like 15 on the runaways well he's supposed to be playing 15 how old is he age range performs age 14 to 19 well there you go okay well then in that case who did you guys have for dade you're gonna laugh at me because i had the guy who plays chase on the runaways did you really yeah Uh, he's too pretty well dade's very pretty is he yeah he has bleached hair johnny lee miller is very pretty you had greg sulkin yeah that actually is kind of funny that you pulled someone else from runaways well i just finished watching the show so it was like straight up it was straight in my mind there you go did did they have the season finale yeah oh i need to watch that yeah exciting i think one of the things that stuck in my mind is diverse high school kids right and that's not always easy to find in existing actors i mean i think this is a hackers is a movie if you stick with the high school age range you could actually cast unknowns on it but that's not the point on this although i've made that point before that occasionally i think we'll end up picking someone but i do think sometimes it is better to go with an unknown mike who did you have for dade owen campbell from the movie super dark times oh nice the lead of that and he's so good yeah and um now see i think owen would work well for joey for joey i had moises arias from kings of summer because he's such a nerdy but charismatic kid he's so good too that actor's another one of those 
uh, actors who I can't wait to see him do more things. Okay, Diane, who did you have for Joey? Joey, I don't know. I mean, I, I know, I know, I know. This sounds weird, but I honestly had my age range is higher. Ah, uh, okay. So I kept going. I, I was honestly to see it a lot of these guys, and I know that's kind of a horrible thing to say to you guys. That's fair. I mean, my Joey is Finn Wolfhard. That works like Stranger, mm. Stranger, Stranger Things kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I mean, the whole thing about Joey is that when we first meet him, we're supposed to think he's incompetent. Yeah. We're supposed to think he's just some kid, but this is hacking. Hacking needs to be like, oh, you're just some kid. Oh, wait, it's really easy for us anytime we have a movie that we need to cast a kid to dip into Stranger Things. That's true. I would kind of like, it looks like we're going to go Runaways for Dade. I would like to try to do something that isn't a cable series and go movies. Great. I really stand by Moises Arias. All right. I'm not familiar with him, but if you stand if you stand by him, I, I trust your judgment. Okay, so then we have Moises Arias as our Joey. For our Dade, who do we feel like? Do we feel like we go with Alex or do we go with Chase? I think we go with Alex. Let's do Alex. Alex? Because if we go with Alex, then if we're casting for age, then we should probably go with Zendaya for uh, Kate. Yeah. Just go so. full Spider-Man. Go full on Spider-Man. Okay. Full on Spider-Man, super dark times. Okay. So date is Renzi Feliz. And- what did you guys have for cereal? Oy. Oy. I mean, the problem is Matthew Illard so owned that role. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. really just owned it. I mean, I figured, you know, if we can shrink him down and do him again, that would be amazing. The person I had for cereal is an actor named Bryce Hodgson. Bryce Hodgson, I know because I'm a fan of the TV show iZombie. And he kind of plays kind of that strung out weird guy doing ridiculous things. And but he's one of the bad guys. I kind of went opposite on that because Serial was one of my favorite characters. But I also kind of like you always kind of want to embrace you always kind of want to embrace Serial. I went Rico Rodriguez from from Modern Family. <laughs> I went Johnny Pemberton, who I think one of the funnier things that he's done was he was the ice cream store guy in Ant-Man. He's also in 22 Jump Street. He's a performance artist, comedian, and shows up doing a lot of these little character roles. He He's the son of Zorn in the Son of Zorn short-lived TV series. But if you've seen him on, like, Superstore, he plays a completely different character. He's one of those people who just disappears into roles completely. Yeah, but he's an asshole. Yeah, Serial's kind of an asshole, too. That's true. Yeah, but you just want to love Serial. Do you? Yeah, you do. I do not. I did, but you know, I, I think Matthew Lillard is the greatest thing. All right, here is why we're going with Johnny Pemberton. I'm on his IMDb Pro page, and under athletics, he has one thing listed. It's rollerblading. Serial <laughs> <laughs> should be rollerblading throughout this thing. But he's I the only one. Agree. Serial yep. should be the only person on rollerblades. And now we have to go with Johnny Pemberton. Yep, we do. Okay. That that is the most kismet thing I've ever seen. So who do you guys have for Agent Dick Gill? I'm pretty sure we all have the same person, and that person is Jay Jackson. Hey, Keenan Thompson. Jay Jackson is Perd Hapley from uh, Parks and Rec. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's supposed to be playing this incompetent guy, right? And, I mean, it's Perd Hapley. You heard, with Perd. Um. <laughs> who did you have, Mike? I had Courtney B. Vance. But I like Kenan Thompson's Diane's Choice a lot more, just because that role requires some comedic relief in what could end up being a pretty heavy movie. Kenan Thompson would be pretty great at that. I mean, I love Courtney B. Vance. I just thought he was too serious. Yeah, I, I think I went too serious. That's why I didn't even want to say it. After you said Kenan Thompson, I was like, oh, yep, yep. 
Keenan Thompson for me. Let's go with Keenan Thompson. I was so sure everyone would have purred happily. Ah, it was so perfect. It's fine. It's fine. Keenan Thompson's great. Who did you guys have for uh, Dade's mom? I had Molly Shannon in the movie Other People that came out last year. That's a shame that it never went to theaters at all. That it's one of those things that Netflix didn't bother giving a push that it should have gotten. I think Molly Shannon should have been nominated for an Academy Award last year, playing the mom in that. And... I just think she is a phenomenal movie mom and has a lot of warmth and can be funny. I, I love Molly Shannon. She can't really be Renzi Feliz's mom necessarily. I mean, he, she could be. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. How about Marissa Tomei? <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> Renzi Feliz. Spider-Man it up. <laughs> no. Um, the person that I have is Taraji P. Henson. Oh, she's good. She's uh, one of the women from Hidden Figures. Yeah. Oh, she's also in um, Proud Mary. Oh, yeah. Proud Mary is supposed to be really good. Yeah, I, I, I've heard good things about it, too. And she already has a working relationship with uh, David Jonathan Fincher because she was in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Also Jonathan Nolan. She was on Person of Interest. Oh, was she? Yeah. There you go. She ties everything together. Yep. Perfect. Let's go with that, then. All right, TPH, you got yourself a role. <laughs> <laughs> she is uh, the founder of TPH Productions. Okay, so the only two people I have left are Razor and Blade. Is there anyone else that you guys cast that... I didn't even think about them. I didn't think about them either. I cast them specifically because, like I said, this was a surprisingly diverse movie, Mm -hmm. and for a movie about computers and hacking, they were the two characters of Asian descent. That said, I ended up casting one person of Asian descent and one person who I'm pretty sure is Hispanic, but I'm not 100% positive. But the two people I had for that is Manny Jacinto, Jason from The Good Place, who I've tried to put in previous episodes. All right. And I had a... Okay, yeah, we'll put Manny Jacinto as Razor. And who do you have for Blade? Eugene Cordero. He's been in a bunch of different things, and he's always very good. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's in Other Space. He's in Kings of Summer. He's in Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Oh, yeah, he's one of those guys who, when he shows up in things, I always enjoy him. He And he's also in Kings of Summer with Moises Arias. Can I make a weird pitch for Razor and Blade? Yeah, make a weird pitch for Razor and Blade. Because at this point, they're not going to be doing a TV station. A TV, they're not going to be hacking a TV station. They're going to be on YouTube, probably. Probably. The Martinez twins. I don't know who those are. They're YouTube stars and they're twins. They're not Asian, but they are Hispanic. And they've got a huge following. What do they do on YouTube? They do like pranks and they do like talking and they do, you know, they do sort of like Jake Paul kind of stuff, which is like obnoxious. But they do sort of pranks and they've got a little The fact that they're YouTubers already is great. But what I find interesting about uh, Razor and Blade in the movie is that they do hacking, but they do like kind of low level hacking. So Mm -hmm. it's not that they, it's not that they have a show. It's not that they're putting like entertainment out into the world. It's that they're saying, hey, this is how you hack stuff. But it's not like the deep hacking. As much as I think having an established YouTube personality being in the movie is interesting, I think they're the wrong kind of YouTube personality. Okay. If we had like the guy from Minute Physics or the the guy from uh, Brady Heron, the guy who does like the periodic videos and all of those, I think that would be more interesting. Like Brady Heron, CGP Grey as our YouTube personalities. Mm-hmm. I might be more interested in them. But again, I'd rather stick with at least someone who is of Asian descent. I do like that both Manny Jacinto and Eugene Cordero are both Filipino. Yeah. I mean, the other yeah. person I'd had was Vincent Rodriguez 3, which is Josh Chan in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But I, I think Eugene Cordero is more fun. Looks like we got a movie. All right. Ready for the recap? Yeah, please. We have David Fincher's Hackers with a soundtrack by Nine Inch Nails, written by Jonathan Nolan, starring Renzi Feliz as 
as Dade, Zendaya as Kate, Joey is played by Moises Arias, Serial is played by Johnny Pemberton, Nikon is Tony Revolori, Freak is Jacob Batalon. There's a lot of Filipinos in our cast because Razor and Blade are Manny Jacinto and Eugene Cordero. The Plague is Donald Glover. Hal is still Pendulette. Agent Dick Gill is Keenan <laughs> Thompson. And the mom is Taraji P. Henson. It is taking place in the present, even though Serial is rollerblading. And it <laughs> is on a much more global and scarier level than just stealing money or whatever Fisher Stevens' plan was in the original. All right. Awesome. I like it. Yeah. Super fun. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much for bringing this movie to our attention, Diane. If people are interested in finding you on the internet or do you have anything you'd like to promote? I'm good, actually. Uh, I've got a, I'm have got. i on Facebook, but most of my stuff is just writing. I've got a play, I've got a play that I'm writing and all that. Mike, you're on the internet, right? I am on the internet everywhere at Off The Mike. And I have a bunch of shows coming up if people want to catch me live around the Detroit area. And I'm Sam Gash, similarly on the internet as Sam Gash, my name, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. Thank you again to Lindsay Laris for our wonderful cover art and to the Rebel Spies for our theme music. Here's something that I've been trying to do as a New Year's resolution. I've been trying to not complain as much as I used to and just say nice things. So if you have nice things to say about the podcast, please leave a review on Apple iTunes or wherever you download the podcast and spread the word and Sam and I would both appreciate it a lot. And if you don't know how or don't want to do that, just tell a friend about the show. Nothing promotes a show better than word of mouth. We'd love it if more people were able to hear the things that we think are important, the things we have to say, and I will fight to the end to protect my own... I ah! We've also created an Ideal Remake Facebook group where we have pretty regular chats going, talking about movie remakes and movie stuff in general. That's become quite a fun group too, as a satellite to this podcast. So join up there and join in on the conversation. And to all of our haters out there, I just want to say, if you mess with the best, you die like the rest.